videos and all the geeky stuff we're into lately. This is going to be um, our sort of a special episode about Pokemon Sun and Moon. And to help us in our journey through Alola, we have two guests this week. Um, someone's making a lot of noise. <laughs> uh, we're going to welcome both Mikes. Hello, Mikes. Um, Mike Audette and Mike Templeton. Hello there. Hola. <laughs> welcome, welcome. So, um, yeah, Pokemon came out last week before Thanksgiving for, for people in the U.S. We were having a lot of fun with it. Um, but first, we're going to talk about the books we've been reading. We have a little bit of a sort of Star Wars-heavy book section this week, which is kind of cool. So... Because of games and because of just life stuff, I haven't been reading a lot lately. Um, I started rereading Battlefront Twilight Company sort of in preparation for the Rogue One novelization. Um, I wanted to sort of know what to expect going into the Rogue One novel. And uh, I really enjoyed this book when I read it the first time. I'm really enjoying it again. The protagonist is kind of hard to get attached to. He's kind of prickly. Like, I, I like this book, but I'm having the same feelings I did before. Um, Saf, you reread it recently too, right? Um, I am in the midst of rereading it, yeah. Cool. Any new feelings, old feelings? Um, I agree that Namira is a little bit hard to swallow. That seems like a bad way of putting it. Um, yeah, I agree with you, basically. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's prickly. And part of what I love about this book is that characters can be so... Um, there's so much to each of them. And I don't want to say contradictory, because when Namir walks through the halls of the, of the rebel ship and thinks all these people are probably going to die because they're not good at their job, and then goes and supports them, that's not really... I mean, it is contradictory, but it's also sort of humans being able to have two opposing opinions at one time. And I kind of love that about it. But at the same time, I still have the same trouble I had, which was that if he doesn't care, it's hard for me to care. And that, you know, is part of the thesis of the book, really. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it like that, but you're right. Yeah, that's that's a fun one. And then um, I did finish uh, Catalyst, which was a Lucino novel. I mean, we talked about that last time. Some of you guys read this too, right? Uh, I yeah. have not, actually. Oh. I finally got my hands on it, so I will be reading it. Okay, so you haven't started yet? No, I haven't had a chance to. Um, I keep forgetting to download it onto my Kindle. Uh-huh. And so, Mike, what do you think? Um, I'm a huge fan of most of James Lucino's Star Wars books, so, like, it was right up my alley. Uh, I was on vacation from work last week, so I was able to just, whatever I had left to finish from when it came out, I was able to finish it up, and, yeah, it's, I love the characterizations of the Ursos, especially their relationship was, like, really interesting between Galen and Lyra, Lyra. I don't know what we're calling her yet. <laughs> Lyra, I think, but yeah, it, I, in my head, I was calling her Lyra. So this makes me think of the golden compass protagonist. I, I was just about to say that. 
Now I haven't, but yeah, read, I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But I have been kind of following the fandom on it on like Twitter and Tumblr. So like, there's been a lot of fan art of like saucy Krennic. <laughs> of course, there is. Which, which I just am dying over. So I, I do kind of, I do want to read it. But I am notoriously bad with reading books. Like I still haven't read Lost Stars or even A New Dawn. So, I mean, I'll get there eventually. Probably when like Episode Nine comes out. <laughs> <laughs> you have to report in yeah, about uh, about Lost Stars first. Oh yeah, no, I will announce when I have finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Krennic definitely yeah. seems like a fan favorite, and this book is a lot of. A lot of Krennic and Galen being the smartest people in the room. Yeah. It's it's a wicked interesting dynamic between the two of them. And it's for at least whoever's been able to read it going into Rogue One, it's going to give those scenes that we've seen in the trailers just a little more added weight than if you were, you know, if you just were going into the movie without knowing the backstory from uh, Catalyst. Yeah. I did think it was it was a little dry. Did that bother you at all or did you not think so? Um it could have just been the way I read it. Um like I'll read it maybe like a get through half a chapter on the train going into work in the morning, then I'll read maybe like another chapter or two at lunch at work and then I'll read maybe another half a chapter to a chapter on my train back home from work, depending on how long it takes. So I don't think that really, because I had it split up so much, it didn't really, I didn't get any dryness from it. So I don't know that it probably could just been the way I read it. Okay. But the pace worked for you. Yeah. The pace, yeah. The pace worked for me, especially, you know, splitting it up and reading like a chapter here, chapter there. It allowed me to, you know, you know, really take in each chapter individually as well and then you know put it into the greater picture of the story cool i definitely think that seeing rogue one is going to be a different experience because i read it i'm going to know these characters a little better Mm -hmm. yep so saf what's uh what's next for you um I've been reading the Immaterial Bodies book still. Um, I'm in chapter one now, so going strong. I still don't entirely understand what this book is about. I don't think I really fully internalized the fact that you hadn't, like, started that book when we talked about it last. I was in the preface when we were talking about last, which is, yeah, it's not really starting the book. Um, I'm just about up to a little paragraph about, like, I forgot the actual word is, uh, relating to like organ transplants and stuff like that so I'm interested in that um it's all been very interesting but it's all very academic and it's a lot of phrases I don't know she talks about like effect which is something to do with something with bodies like they have effect happening to them and she describes what it meant and it was just a list of a whole lot of things and I was just like I don't understand anything this book is telling me but I'm kind of enjoying the ride so effect with an e with an a like okay as yeah okay huh yeah that 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 sounds academic all right 
Yeah, it's like talking about the uh, non-corporeal or kind of like immaterial processes that affect bodies and that uh, have bodies extend the boundaries of just like the physical form somewhat. Um, I think that's what she's talking about. I'm not entirely sure. Interesting. I feel like it's been like a tough couple weeks for books. I've been doing a bunch of other stuff and um, I started this reading challenge at the beginning of the year to try to read 100 books and my friend who did the same challenge the year before said you want to get a good head start on November because you're not going to read much in November and I was sort of like why? I know there's holidays but why? But November. <laughs> November every year is just I don't know why, but I just can't get anything done in it. And there's Nano, too. Nano's a factor, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's because yeah. Pokemon came out. Yeah. Let's let's be real. <laughs> and wasn't it last year that uh, Alpha Sapphire and whatever the other one was, that came Omega out Ruby? last November, too? Was that last year? I thought it was the year before last. Huh. Uh, it was 2014. Was it 14? Okay, but it was November. I definitely remember it being November. Yeah. Mm. All right, um, so one of the mics. What are you guys, what are you guys up to? <laughs> Awkward pauses. It's all right, happens. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. Um, well, as I mentioned, I don't read a whole lot of books, so I'm going to talk about my favorite book because it's kind of in the news cycle right now. Um, the comic book Bone, which is 25 years old this year, um, finally 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 has a director for the upcoming movie that they've been wanting to make for years and i'm just over the moon with this uh this has been my favorite book since 25 years ago and i just i grew up with this book and for those of you who don't know it's it starts out kind of cartoony like it's about an anthropomorphic bone named phone bone and his cousin phony bone and smiley bone and they get run out of Boneville. And then all of a sudden, they it turns into Lord of the Rings. Huh. Like, it's huh. just kind of out of nowhere. And it is so good. And there's, like, there's the dream world. And then there's the legend of dragons. And the the Lord of Locusts. And it's, like, you. it's so, so good. Um you can pick it up right now in a one volume edition. They've also separated it up into different trades, but if you can't just pick up the one volume, it's so good. I see this a lot on like the list of best comics and stuff, but I always had trouble sort of understanding what it was. I'm glad you gave us the little description. So like, would you say it's high fantasy or is it a little more abstract than that? It, it's, I would say it's, it's just, it's super approachable. I want to say it's it's not really high fantasy. Um, it, it does kind of fall into the standard tropes, but be, that's kind of because it's an all-ages book. So there's not anything super deep in it, but it is, it's just enjoyable throughout. Okay, cool. And is it going to be an animated movie, I presume? I would hope yeah. so. I mean, when you're dealing, <laughs> when you're dealing with characters yeah. that look like these guys you kind of have to do it animated. Um, if they did a hybrid style movie, I wouldn't hate it. But there are certain characters like the Lord of Locusts, who I mentioned, like they they would be kind of scary to do. So if they want to keep this kind of all 
kind of like all ages. I mean, the guy who's directing it is the one who directed the first Kung Fu Panda. So I, I oh. kind of think they're going to stick with that style. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool. And it looks like we've got another comic on the list also. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been knee-deep in reading the current uh, Wonder Woman rebirth from after the DC rebirth earlier this year. Uh, the current series from Greg Rucka, who most Star Wars fans should know from He's his... Yeah, from his writings that he did last year in the lead-up to uh, The Force Awakens. He's the one who's writing the current series, and there's the way the series is set up is there's two separate arcs that are going at the same time, and one just finished last week, and that was the one that was essentially started from Rebirth, and it's called like The Lies, and it's basically about Diana trying to figure out why her past seems all jumbled up and messed up and she can't remember where her home is and everything like that. So it's sort of, it's sort of like a play on the rebirth, how, you know, it's essentially going through a, um, oh, what's the word? Um, a reboot, you know, essentially, you know, how they're rebooting the universe essentially. So she's trying to remember all the other stories that have happened before that and figure out what's true and what's not. So it's, it's really interesting. Greca is just such a good writer. The art is great. And um, so, yeah, that, that first arc just finished up last week. And then I don't think the next one starts till almost the end of December, but um, I got to, I got the time off from work again. So I'll be getting that and reading that on my vacation. Cool. I'm excited for the Wonder Woman movie, but I have no real grounding in the comics at all. Yeah, I, have I a didn't... question about Rebirth. Sure. Is it is, was it legit that um, Doctor Manhattan, whatever his name is, is the reason for Flashpoint? Was that a thing? Is that the guy from Wait, like the Watchmen? The Watchmen, the Watchmen. Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. So that actually yeah. happened because I remember seeing a whole bunch about it, but I didn't know if it was actually true or just people making stuff up. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert: In the there was before the rebirth happened. They well before the, all the individual series came out. There was a uh, one main story called DC Rebirth, and it was like, an it was like six issues long of like a regular comic, and at the end in like the epilogue, the it has like a couple pages and it goes to, I think either some planet or on the moon. I'm not sure. I couldn't really, can't really tell what it is, but then the guy from the Watchmen's like just sitting there. Okay. So that was real. That's yep. cool. I like that. I mean, it kind yeah. of makes sense. Cause at the end of Watchmen, he mentions that he's going to go off and kind of create his own world. So yeah. this could be kind of that spiritual sequel yeah it's yeah, just I, that he turns bad and correct me if i'm wrong we don't see watchmen characters in other comic books very often right they don't really cross over very much no it's a completely yeah. different yeah, that's its own thing. universe yeah yeah but that's but that's why this is so huge is because 
he crossed over because huh. Dr. Manhattan's kind of the only omniscient character or omnipotent character in Watchmen. He's the only superhero that has powers. Everyone else is just a really physically peak human. Right. So okay, that's kind of interesting. That's, that's yeah. I read Watchmen a long time ago for a class actually, and it seems appropriate to this kind of meta, almost meta story. Okay, we had some technical difficulties, so you might see, you might hear some weirdness, but we're going to try to get back on track. Um, yeah, so, see, now I'm repeating myself, and it feels weird, <laughs> so, <laughs> because we had this conversation already, but I think the universe wants me to talk about Dishonored. Like, I literally wrote, we're going to talk about it briefly on the show notes, and it was not brief at all. Um yeah, I, I played Dishonored 2 last week. It was a lot of fun. Um, we were talking about cross-platform stuff. And uh, I think that this kind of illustrates like what, what we were saying before before everything collapsed, was that um, Bethesda, right, is doing well at, at cross-platform. And will that sort of continue in the future? I, I'm always in support of that because I want to play Destiny with my friends who are on PS4. But so far, there's it hasn't affected my Dishonored experience much, except that the Xbox controls are fine. Yeah, Bethesda's pretty good with that stuff. They've got, I guess, practice with it too um, for porting across consoles. Not porting across consoles, but building for each console. Um, I know there's like some companies that when they make games, they make it for console and then port it to PC and then the game on PC is really bad and has a lot of bugs because of that. Um, but Warner Brothers. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> of, um, I think Rockstar. Who even made L.A. Noir? I have a bone to pick with them. But um, uh, Yeah, no, that's Rockstar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rockstar. that's Rockstar. Yeah. Um, Bethesda's pretty good in that all of their games are really buggy anyway, so it doesn't really matter which console you play it on. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely some, like, the, the animation in Dishonored is is good. The backgrounds are beautiful, but I had a character's arm end up stuck in a wall at one point. I had uh, a mission I actually couldn't complete. It was a little, a little buggy. Just a little bit. But, I mean, most games <laughs> these days are. Yeah, I've been kind of lucky in that regard. The Xbox One games that I've experienced are generally do well with it, but it's uh, it's not surprising. I mean, they'll just so, they'll just patch it out. They'll just patch it out, guys. They'll just patch it out. <laughs> I mean, to be fair yeah. though, like with game development as it is now, they have really strict like AAA games. They have really strict deadlines for like huge games where technology is constantly changing, and they have to ship their game. I think six months before it actually comes out, they have to finish it and have a lockdown before then. Um, which is why there are so many day one patches now is because they spend those six months fixing all the bugs they weren't able to fix by that point. Um, yeah, we're definitely in that era of like day one patches, which is yeah. okay if you have the time to download the thing, I guess. Yeah, it's a yeah, pain like, in the I just, ass. I always but, feel bad for, yeah. yeah, no, exactly. Like it's a pain in the ass and like, I always feel bad for people who don't have internet or have bandwidth caps and it's like, yeah, for sure. You're kind of screwed out of that. Yeah, but I also understand it from the developer's point of view. They can't really help it at this point. Like, it's just something that's just going to keep happening until, I guess, the system changes, maybe? Which probably won't happen anytime soon. 
So what are you playing, Seth? Um, so apart from Pokemon, I have been playing this app game, this choose-your-own-adventure app game um, called Choices. And it's got two stories on it at the moment. I've only been playing one of them, which is the first story, which is going to end in December, so it's happening. Um, but it's called And the Sun Went Out, and it's basically like a text, text-based text adventure thing um, where you you just make choices and your choices branch and have consequences later on and that kind of fun stuff. Very much choose-your-own-adventure book, but in app form. And apparently it is about... It's going to be over 500,000 words by the time the story ends so it's it's long there's a lot of words um wow yeah yeah um it's really cool the writing is is a little off sometimes i guess like it's not amazing but the story is really interesting and the fact that like it puts a lot of emphasis at the start about your choices having big influence um i was talking to one of the developers about it and when i mentioned i was in the third arc he was like oh are you in this part of the arc? like are you in this country or in this country and i was like i didn't realize you could end up in different countries by this point in the game um so it's a oh, very wow. big branching game there are a lot of different things um it's cool i like it you also get like a little ai companion who you can teach things to like they learn about life through you and it's very cute cool and that's uh is it a science fiction game? Sounds like it from the AI thing and the sun thing. But. Yeah, I think it's AI. It seems to get... Uh, I don't really know. I'm, I'm only in arc three and it's going to be about 12 arcs all up, I think. Um, and it's sci-fi, definitely, because the story is that I think the sun went out at some point and then came back. And at the moment, I'm in Peru, like, investigating Mayan religions, Aztec religions based around the sun and bringing the sun back, so it might get into some religious fantasy stuff there. I'm not really sure, but it's interesting so far. Okay, but you're in, like, real-world countries. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other story they have is And Our Souls Were Eaten, I think it was called, something like that. And it's about someone who can eat people's souls. So I think that one's a bit more fantasy-ish, possibly. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I also played Manual Samuel, which is a game where I played it co-op. I don't know if there's another way to play it. I think it is just, I don't know. There probably is. But I played it co-op, which means that you have two people with two controls and each button like controls a different part of this person's body. Um, and this guy, Samuel, dies and he gets resurrected with the with the condition that he has to live through an entire day manually, like doing everything, like blinking, breathing, manually, completely. And if he can survive 24 hours like that, he can live like normal. Um, and so you basically play as this guy trying to live out his day, go to work and do all the stuff um, by controlling every part of his body separately. And so I had like his left half of his body so I could make him walk and stuff like that. And then I was also like the breathing. And like, it's, it's so complex and ridiculous and it's a lot of fun to play with someone else because you just end up yelling at each other about like needing to breathe um (laughs) it is a totally sounds really difficult it is really difficult i think we kind of go into the flow of it eventually um i'm not super fond of the writing or the story uh they like forced a lot of their own jokes and with too much repetition and they're the kind of people that 
really hate hipsters, you can kind of tell. Um, or, like, <laughs> they hate the idea of hipsters. And so there's a lot of jokes <laughs> about that that I was sort of like, eh, eh, okay. Um, so you can tell what audiences is aimed at, but it wasn't entirely me. But it was still fun. Huh. It's certainly a unique uh, idea for a game. I think it's a way to figure out, like, if you'd be drift compatible with someone. Hmm. That's kind of cute. You made a Pacific Rim reference, so now I'm interested. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you've got to work together to control, like, one half of the person age, so it's kind of like that. Interesting. All right, so, um... Oh, I don't know which mic used which color on the show notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> go talk about Battlefront. Oh, <laughs> Mike yeah. Audette, talk um, about Battlefront. <laughs> um, I, besides Pokemon, obviously, I haven't really been, had much time to play Battlefront recently. It's been at least a few weeks since I booted it up, but uh, most of the new uh, news releases are coming out for the new Scarif DLC that's coming out two a week and a half from now, something like that, for the season pass holders. And then it'll be out probably like right after the movie comes out for whoever doesn't have a season pass. And they've all they've released so far is we know that Jin and Krennic are the two new heroes. Ooh. And there's going to be four new maps on Scarif. Not, you know, they haven't said anything about new game modes or anything like that. But um, based off of the rumors going around, it's going to be another multi, or with the new game mode that it's going to introduce is going to be like a multi-stage game mode, like the Death Star DLC had where you have to complete one stage to get to the next stage, or depending on which team wins, you know, the, the the match just ends, or if the team who needs to keep going forward, if they win, you go to the next stage, and then if they win again, you get to go to the third and final stage. So uh, by the sounds of it, the new game mode is going to be something like that, where you know how we've seen that sort of that big shield in the trailers that goes up from this planet surface up into the, where the X-Wings are attacking it. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's the, um, I'm thinking of either the death star dish or that, that round, like they named that it round, recently, that portal thing. Yeah. The portal yeah, thing. The portal thing down okay. the scare. Yeah. So m- most of the, the scuttlebutt is that, that, that is going to be the basis of that. Uh, the new game mode is where you have to take that out. Then that lets you go down on the planet and then escape the planet with plans or something. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Now, for me, half the appeal of a new map, like if I'm getting new maps in Destiny... I'm not a big multiplayer person, so a lot of the appeal is the lore. Is like, what does this planet actually look like? Um, for you, what what's the biggest draw with this? Uh, probably just def- definitely that the maps are going to look completely different from everything else that's been in this version of Battlefront, because obviously Scarif and the, you know the beach planet, who we've never seen anything like that first of all like in star wars in general and so 
this map, these maps are going to be completely different than the ones that are already in Battlefront, which is they have Tatooine and Endor, and then you can play on the Death Star, but like, you know, running along the beaches with like you know, the clear, the crystal blue water and the palm trees, and then <laughs> you're going to have like ads coming at you. It's going to be, you know, just like the juxtaposition of it is going to be really cool. Yeah, that looks like a really cool planet, so I'm sure it will be fun to be able to actually go in and interact with it. Yeah, and, one, of the, yeah. one of the things I want to see, too, is every new download pack that they come out with, they come out with new character customization, so I'm wondering if we're going to get either the Scarif Troopers or if we're going to get Death Troopers or um, for the Rebels, we'll get They'll get the you know the commando looking guys that you see in the trailers that are in like the background shots and the U wing and things like that. So we know that that's what the uh, rebels will look like. But it, mostly, I want to see what the uh, stormtroopers are going to look like. Cool. There should just be a bunch of Bodhi rooks running around. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would. I would not argue with that. I hope so. Protect him. <laughs> Do you think they'll introduce more heroes from Rogue One, or is it usually like is it pretty standard that they just use the the main hero and the main villain? Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's per download pack. It's usually one hero, one villain. So this one's Jin and Krennic. Okay. They haven't they haven't announced what like their special power ups are going to be, and because each hero has like three different power-ups and like one special ability that they have so i won't because especially because these are completely new characters and we don't know what they're like it's going to be interesting to see what sort of you know abilities and power-ups they come up with because every character they've released so far we already know who they are so their abilities would make sense like dengar is he's got this big blaster and he can he swings it like a bat and can kill people with it. And then Chewbacca's got his bowcaster. So it's like, you know, it's characters we already know of and know their histories. So with Jin and Krennic, it's going to be really interesting to see what they come up with based off of the uh, movie. Clearly, Krennic will just dazzle everyone with his cloak. <laughs> I just oh, yeah, that, I was going to say, yeah, he's, he's going yeah, to have like a cape attack or something. Just a Absolutely. flourish. Yeah. <laughs> he kicks up a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah. Well, that should just that should just be the emote, is just him like just flicking the cape out and then just putting his hand on his chin. <laughs> yeah. Like I would I would spend real money for that emote. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little tangential, but have you spent real money on the um the emojis? Uh in Battlefront? Oh. Oh, uh, no, the, um, like, messenger, the Rogue One messenger emojis. Oh, no. On iMessage, no, yeah. I didn't even know, yeah. yeah, They have, like, for iMessage, yeah, they have, like, the sticker packs, but I don't text enough people with iMessage, and, or, like, most of the people, like, you can't use them on Twitter, so it's, like, what's the point? Yeah, I really... (laughs) I know we're kind of the minority in how much we use Twitter, but I would uh, much... 
I would use them much more often if they were on Twitter. They were kind of cute, but I didn't. I didn't spend I, the money on them either. I don't mm-hmm. use emojis enough in normal texting. Like I still type out like semicolon parentheses <laughs> instead yeah. of just typing a winky face emoji. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike Templeton, you have. Um, news from the world of world of warcraft i i am or i do rather <laughs> i'm cur- sorry i'm currently in the world of warcraft <laughs> so i don't have a lot of like background i don't know what's going on in wow right now i know that it's okay. the er mmo so uh take it away um so back in august the uh God, I think it's the sixth expansion, sixth or seventh expansion drop, Legion, um, which kind of feels like the end game of World of Warcraft. Um, it's currently in its 12th year running, which is a long time for an MMO. Um, yeah. So I, I always kind of go back and forth with World of Warcraft. Um, I'm a huge fan. I love the lore. It's it's one of those weird games where there's so much lore, but you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do because you can do the whole steampunk elements with the gnomes and the dwarves if you want to, or you can have the fantasy element with the night elves and the blood elves and just do magic or just kind of be in the middle with like the humans, or you could be a big panda if you want. Like (laughs) there's so much to offer in this game and the beautiful part is that like sometimes it takes itself really seriously like in the current expansion which like i said kind of feels like the end game so like there's a lot of major character deaths there's a lot of shakeups with kind of who's running whose team right now um but then there's also like the fun stuff where you can just kind of go hang out on the beach and do weird funny missions if you want to um there's one of my favorites it's just a big super beginner quest but it's like you're punishing these two lazy students and the master gives you like this thing to turn them into pigs <laughs> it's just it's just a funny little quest but i always do it so um, have you found that there's always something to do um there is uh currently i am trying to do um more achievements like i always kind of log in there's right now in Legion, there's world quests, which are kind of the end game level stuff. I keep saying end game a lot, but end game means like the game is going to end soon, I feel like. And then end game is just like I've already hit the max level for this expansion. So I'm going to use them yeah. interchangeably. Yep. But you have your daily quests, which are going to give you your resources so that you can do the world quests so that you can get to the end game content of this expansion. So my my touchstone is is Destiny kind of wants to be World of Warcraft in a way it, it wants to go for twelve years but like even now I'm kind of running out of things to do a little bit do you feel with so with the expansion having dropped like earlier in the year you're still finding there's plenty to entertain you well yeah they uh, Blizzard tends to stretch out their expansions um, for at least two years. And we usually get about two big content pushes, but a lot of little ones in the uh, in the middle between those. 
So you'll have, so we had like the beginning drop of, of all the content and all the starting quests of this expansion to set up the story. Then we have like kind of chapter two, which just came out. And then we'll have probably have chapter three later on. And the thing, the thing that's so, like I keep saying, feels so like this game's going to end soon is because this expansion's dealing with the big bad who has been the big bad of the entire franchise. Like everything up until now has been kind of, I don't want to say minor threats, but hasn't been the big bad guy. Mm, and in this one, in this one, we are literally dealing with him now. So I, I'm curious to see where they go from here. Like I, I'm sure they can, they'll figure out something, but they've already hinted that we're going to go to the big bad guys homeworld at the end of this expansion. So I'm just, I'm curious to where we're going to go after that. Yeah. Now, did you read, um, that there was a tie in novel for Legion? I think that I know about because Christy Golden, who's done star Wars books, wrote it. Do you, uh, have you read that? I have not. Uh, like I said, I'm horrible with books. I have <laughs> one of, I have one of her books. She's actually written a couple. Um, she's written yeah. uh, Arthas, which was about the Lich King, who was our third expansion. Uh, she wrote War Crimes, which was setting up the previous expansion, Warlords of Drainer. Um, so I, I've read what happens in these books. Sorry, Christy. I love you, but I, <laughs> it's just I have a hard time reading books. But the stuff that she deals with, and everyone has said she's one of the better uh, novel writers for the franchise, because there's there's a lot of books, but all of hers seem to be the best ones. Mm. So the the content matter that she deals with in Arthas, which is a fascinating story. It's basically the story of Darth Vader, but in World of Warcraft. Huh. Like Arthas is pretty much our Vader character, except he doesn't get redeemed at the end. Oh, that sucks for him. It, it <laughs> yeah, does, it does, but it's an epic boss battle. Um, and then War Crimes, the last book she wrote, um, is fascinating because it's about one of my favorite characters, uh, Garrosh, who was the leader of the Horde. But he he kind of starts off as this up-and-coming trooper, and he gets put in charge of the Horde, but he's not ready for it. And so all these pressures are kind of weighing on him and he wasn't expecting it. And he just totally turns into a dictator and becomes the biggest bad guy of the entire game. Huh? I do always uh, kind of enjoy like finding what, what people's favorite characters are and what time, what, what uh, plot line you're particularly interested in. Do you follow the horde usually or I I do play a lot of horde. Yeah. I, Mm. I like, I like, like the horde because they're not overtly evil. Um, if you look at a lot of them, they're all ugly races. Like they're all trolls, orcs, um, goblins. But then you have like the beautiful blood elves, and you have the undead. And the none. The thing is like the un, the blood elves hate the undead because the undead used to work for the Lich King who killed all of the blood elves, and so like they have that kind of tension. But the woman who runs the undead used to be a blood elf. She's just an undead blood elf now. So they kind of have to work together. The Awkward. orcs, 
the yeah the orcs are totally speciesist and kind of hate everybody the trolls are kind of the the lower class like they're all everyone thinks they're dumb but that's because they're all tribal still Hmm. but and but one of them becomes uh the leader of the horde at one point and but that's what i love about the horde is that they're it's kind of this motley crew but they're all just kind of trying to make their way in the world they're not overtly evil they're just they just kind of want to do their own thing and to me it's always been the alliance has always been kind of more evil because they take the right the righteous path of where you know the saviors of the world where the beautiful races. Hmm. Interesting. I'm sure this could be a heated debate. I just, <laughs> I'm just not the one to have it with. So. <laughs> no, I mean like there, there's definitely like good sides and bad sides of both of both um, factions. And that's what I love about this game is that it doesn't really paint either one as the good guys or the bad guys. Like, it's not the Rebels versus the Empire. Like, they're literally just both kind of trying to carve out their way in the world. And the way these expansions roll out is that it's actually not about their conflict a lot of the time. It's about them teaming up with each other to beat the bigger bad. Is there anything you're looking forward to, particularly? Any new, like, the next part of the expansion? Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how far we get with the big bad. His name is Sargeras. Um... I'm curious to see what his encounter is going to look like where they said, we're going to go to his home world, which we haven't seen. That's another thing about this, about here. There's aliens and different planets in this, in this universe. So it's like a fantasy universe, but there's a lot of sci-fi in here too. Like the last expansion dealt with time travel. Oh yeah. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Which was, it was time travel and an alternate universe. Interesting. I, I don't think I knew there were multiple planets in, in WoW, so I learned something. Yeah, fun fact. The orcs, which you would think are just kind of the base race. Nope, different planet. <laughs> I, I would think that, huh? All right, cool. Um, anything else you want to add about that? Or we'll move on to our main topic. No, we can move on. I've, I've talked about WoW enough, and I can probably talk about it for a whole other show. So. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So we're going to talk about Pokemon. Um, I want to do like the intro thing and everybody tell me what island you're on right now, how far you you have gone, and which starter you chose. So Saf, go first. You still there, Saf? Yep. Sorry, I just dropped my headphones. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um. So unfortunately, I missed the last thing you said because I dropped my headphones. <laughs> it's all right. We can make it. We can do it. Yeah. Um, I want everybody to tell me what, what island are you on? Yeah, what island are you on, and which starter did you choose? Well, I am on Ula Ula Island, which I just literally got to. I'm not actually technically on it at the moment because I'm training my Pokemon. Um, and my starter was Rowlet because it's just the cutest thing ever. <laughs> Yes, that's the correct choice. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm on the second island. Is that Melee Melee? Uh, that would be Akala Island. Akala, okay. Yes, so I'm on Akala Island. I'm almost finished with the trial. Um, I just got, got devastated by the trial, but I'm going to try again. And I also chose Rowlet because I was on Team Litten for a long time, and then I saw its final evolution, and I wasn't a fan, so now I'm Team Rowlet. That was me too, yeah. Yep. 
Uh, Mike, Audette, how about you? Um, I just finished Lola Island. So now I'm... Have you, any of you guys gotten to the Ather Foundation yet? Yeah. No. Okay, so I think that's before you go to the third island. It's just before, yeah, the third island. Just before, okay. So, <laughs> so spoiler alert, after you finish the third island, you go back there for something. Um, so that's where I'm at, and I took uh, Rowlet to Team Good. Rowlet because I just saw the final evolution. Uh, they have a sweet-ass hoodie. And they're <laughs> typing as ghost, ghost grass, and I was like, "Okay, that's awesome." All right, Mike Templeton. I feel like I'm calling uh, on you guys in class. No, that's <laughs> uh, I'm also currently on Akala Island. Uh, I just met—is it the Ether or the Aether Foundation? Ether. Aether, I think. Yeah. No, it's Ether. Uh, well, I... Is that's it one of the ways it's you like... spell Ether? Is A E? Oh, okay. that's just that's just weird. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Pokemon might be doing it differently, but that is one of the ways you can spell Aether. Well, until the anime confirms, we'll just leave it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I just ran into uh, that building uh, where they were analyzing a Slowpoke who just grew its tail back. Um, uh, I also chose Rowlet because... Oh, man. <laughs> Grass Owl is just... He's the best. Like, his little bow tie just had me from the beginning. <laughs> And when I saw Decidueye, I just fell in love with his little hoodie yep. that he has. Yeah, it's cool. I like the little drawstrings that he pulls on. I just, I just, I, I like bird Pokemon, and I've been kind of waiting for like a good owl one. And we haven't had an owl Pokemon since Hoot Hoot and yeah, I love yeah. Hoot Hoot and and Noctowl. I do too. <laughs> I do too, but he's just, they're just terrible. Him and Noctowl are just terrible to use because their move pool is just the worst. So yeah. when I saw this and I just, I have a, an affection for grass types. Like Breloom is one of my mains and yeah. <laughs> I was never a grass type person before, but I liked the look of Rowlet so much. And I like the grass ghost thing. That's like the combination of types they're doing in this game is really surprising. Yeah. I was um I was caught out by that because I didn't realize that Decidueye was grass ghost. Um and yeah, something I, I went to people... battle thinking I was still resistant to something that I wasn't because I lost flying. Or something like that, and I just totally got knocked out, and I was like, "Oh, whoops!" Didn't think about that. So well, mine apparently, is, mine's currently still in his middle stage, so he's still dark tricks with his like emo hair. I love his little bunny. Yeah, hair. <laughs> like his like mom. It's not a phase hair. <laughs> he's so like standoffish. No, I love it that he even does a hair flip with his wing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I found out that if you teach him hidden power, it's dragon type, which I thought oh. was really cool. That's cool. Yeah. It hasn't, like, been super useful for me yet, but it was, I just thought that was kind of neat, my dragon owl. Well, that's cool. H hidden power is actually based off of some of your hidden stats. Okay. So, I'm going to get a little inside baseball. Yeah, no, um, go for it, because I don't, I don't know a lot about that stuff, but okay. yeah, we'll do our inside baseball section. Okay, because 
I like to I like to battle competitively on in Pokemon. <laughs> um, so there's there's you have your two stats. You have your IVs, which are individual values, which are hidden, and your EVs, which are your effort values, which you gain after every Pokemon battle. So IVs are what your Pokemon is randomly generated with, and when you breed them or when you catch them, they're just they're automatically set by the game. So this you is can, like a nature versus nurture thing. It can try all at once, but it still has an innate, an innate it, inner value. <laughs> ex- no, exactly, exactly. Um, and you can kind of game those values by breeding Pokemon with, uh, with kind of preferable IV stats, and so that their offspring will kind of inherit those. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, the move Hidden Power is based off of your IV stats. So you can't have more than 31 in each stat and kind of the way yours are set up. So if it's one to 31, that determines what type your hidden power is going to hit. So you have a dragon type one because that's how your IVs are rolled out. Okay. But somebody else's Rowlet might not have the same type. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Got it. And there's, um, in, I th- I don't know if it's been since X and Y or if it was from Oris, but there's an NPC who can tell you um, what your hidden power uh, typing is going to be. That was an X yep. and Y because I remember that being a thing. Yeah. yeah. And in Sun and Moon, it is the NPC that gives you the TM for hidden power. He will tell you what yours is. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't bother talking. Yeah, he tells yeah. you. Yeah, right you just talk when, to you talk to him right after. Yeah, right when you have that conversation. Yep. So, have you um, gone into competitive play with Sun and Moon yet? How how do you feel about that? I, I haven't yet. Um, I'm still kind of feeling it out. Um, I probably won't start battling compet online until post game until I beat the equivalent of the Elite Four that we have in this game. Just because I, I want to feel out these new types. I did this with when X and Y came out. Um, I kind of just felt out everything because there were so many new types and new combinations and new moves. Mm-hmm. So just kind of, I'm, I'm still kind of feeling out what team I want to use. Like I, every time I catch a new Pokemon, I'm swapping them out. And I'm even using old ones because of the Alolan forms. Like, oh, yeah. I, I never used Grimer before, but now he's one of my mains. Yeah. Yeah, I was using a Grimer for a while in my party, and it's evolved into a Muck now, but um, I swapped him out because I I have, like, three Pokemon who are all almost level 50. So I'm now just... I have those three in my party, and then I just because of using the EXP share, how it levels up everybody... I can just fill my party with other people. I just want to, you know, I just want to level them up and get their evolved forms. So, like, I I just went up and caught um, a female Salandit, and I was like, okay, uh, goes another 13 levels to evolve, so I'm just going to go around and use my three Pokemon that are strong enough to take on everybody. So then my other three slots, I can just fill with other Pokemon that you want to raise up that you wouldn't wouldn't be able to use in battle because they're not strong enough. I have, yeah. I have the problem that my Salenda is ready to evolve, but I like Salenda too much to let it become a Salazzle. 
<laughs> so it keeps trying I to evolve, and like I'm like, Salazzle. no, Salandit's too cute. It's so cute. I love him. I love her. I, no, I, I love Salandit. Like... I love Salandit too. Like I fell in love when they first announced this one yeah. a couple months ago. But Salazzle just looks so sassy. It's creepy. <laughs> I can't decide. So the Salandit have been rare for me. I haven't found any yet the first one i ever saw was the the totem pokemon but i can't decide whether i think it's weird looking or if it's cool because like my first thought was it's cool it looks kind of like a dinosaur but it's like oddly humanoid and i don't know i still have to think about it more let's <laughs> see that's a question I, I wanted to ask like do you prefer your pokemon to look more animal or humanoid just cute. I almost always go for birds or cats. Like I consciously try to diversify, but I love bird like bird type flying types. And well, yeah, I bred you a whole team of birds and cats, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Yeah, that was a while ago, but you did. I, yeah, so <laughs> that hasn't changed. Right now, I've got um, Pickapack, Rowlet's Ra- Ra- uh, Ra- Ra- Evolution, and Rufflet. I love Rufflet so much. Rufflet is, is the bald eagle Pokemon. Yes. Yeah. Or the baby one. You can find it along the cliffs in those parts where the shadows fly over you. Oh, I just and keep finding Spearow. I didn't realize you could catch them that early. Yeah, it's ice and flying. Is that right? No, he's just normal flying. Okay. Yeah. Um, he had... Ah, what did I think ice was in there? Ah, I don't know. But he's adorable. <laughs> Fun fact, he's what was something I like. He's one of my favorite designed Pokemon because he came out in Generation 5, which was like the American region of uh, Unova. And so he's like the bald eagle Pokemon. But they gave him, to me, what seems like a little Native American flair where he's got like the little feather coming out of his head. Yeah. Well, he actually. He looks like Hawkmon from Digimon, which <laughs> took me a while to realize what he does. But, but that's that's something I liked about Rufflet and Braviary was just they they had that kind like they had the American flair, but also kind of like it kind of like a totem Pokemon or totem Pokemon, but like a Native mm-hmm. American one, which was just seemed really cool. Yeah, and. I say this as someone who's never been to Hawaii, but Alola, I think, is doing a good job of like having that Hawaiian flair, that Polynesian flair as well. Uh, I have been to Hawaii, and it is exactly like this. Do they have the Battle Royale? That's the one part that I was like, <laughs> wait, is there like a... a like, uh, um, Oh, what's the acronym? Like a wrestling thing in Hawaii that I didn't know about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's on the Big Island. But no, <laughs> like it, it, just the atmosphere where everyone just is friendly and says hi to you. Um, the, the way the routes are designed where there's kind of some city routes, but then everything, once you get out of the city, is just caves and jungle. Like that looks so much like Hawaii. And I just, oh God, like I want to go back so badly. And then with Moana coming out, like Hawaii is just in my head right now. Yeah. It, those two things definitely make me want to go. 
And I liked, um, like, I don't want to go into spoilers, really, but there are some, there's a lot of cameos from other games in this. I had some characters from Kalos that I was attached to and didn't expect to see and was like, oh, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't know there were Kalos people. Yeah. Yeah. Those two people, um, what's his name? Dexio? Dexio that one and Sina. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, no, no. I, I, I ran into them already. Which yep. generation is Kalos? Um, uh, six. six. Yeah. Wait, which game is yeah, that? Six. No, X, and y. X and Y. Oh, they from that? I didn't even realize. Yeah. yeah. So you they've got their that? like vacation shirts. It's great. <laughs> yeah, and X and well, Y, they're the people who like go around and they they wear like masks, like like um uh, what are those like masquerade masks. Oh, it's they, been like, so long since I played the game. I don't even know yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah, they they meet you yeah. at like certain random moments throughout the throughout the story of X and Y. Oh, they're the ones that keep but, yeah. hiding you. They like they're testing you, but they're um, Professor Sycamore's like assistants. Yeah, yeah, they test your Pokedex. They're more like Bill oh, than anything no, else, yeah, right? Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, but they were they were wearing masquerade masks for some reason. Like they were trying to hide their identities. Yeah. But that's but that's what I love about Alola is like it seems like all the characters are going on vacation. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That makes it even funnier. They're just like, like no, we're just gonna wear our Hawaiian shirts. It'll be fine. Well, no, fun fact. <laughs> like, I I love Dexio's shirt where it's got like that '80s motif with yeah. the sun in the background and then the yep. palm tree, but the palm tree is an executor. Actually, yeah, right. <laughs> so when I I found that shirt, so you can customize your character in the game. I found yep. that shirt, and I and that's what I'm wearing right now. And I I'm trying to find somebody who's designing it exactly in real life. Yeah, so that I can buy that shirt. I That'd love. That'd be awesome. That. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, have you guys I... seen um, Alolan Professor Oak yet? No. Oh, Samson. Yeah. No. Yeah. So his, I don't think he's he's not in the game, but he's in he's in the new season he's of the anime. The, yeah, he's from the anime. Um, but he's basically <laughs> he looks exactly like Professor Oak, but just super tanned, <laughs> like like leather skinned tan yeah and so when ash gets to alola he's just kind of like professor oak like what are you doing here and he's like no i'm samson oak <laughs> I'm, yeah it's I'm supposed ready to be like this. his cousin or brother or something yeah yeah it's his cousin when the um when the cartoon comes to disney xd i'm gonna watch all the pokemon anime and yeah. actually yeah that's so yeah. crazy that disney xd is getting pokemon like i know that kind of is for, nowhere, right yeah for this, no for this season for this season and all the back seasons, they got wow. the, they, they got the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad because I watch Rebels on Disney XD anyway, so yeah. like we have we have the app, and I'll yep. be able to go back and watch Pokemon. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Yeah, so, I, no, go ahead. No, go on. Because I was gonna move us forward a little bit. Did you have something else? I just I just wanted to talk, like because I love I love the anime. Like I've I've been watching it since it came out in the '90s. So like I was OG G1 fan. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, I, I've been watching it since it started, basically. And like I used to record them, and I like I knew the poker rap by heart, all five poker raps. As you should. As you should. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of fell out of it around the advanced generation, which was all set in Hoenn. But watching the last like XY season was so good and it just really got me back into it 
and like my wife started watching it and she was getting really heavy into the anime too so we just both started watching it and it's just been so much fun and the the end of the season isn't in america yet but watching how far ash gets in the pokemon league was just so good <laughs> that's cool i actually also probably fell out around that hoen time that's when i think when i stopped watching it for just, you know, at home. And then I watched some episodes of X and Y here and there, but I haven't really revisited it as an adult, at, like not for any length of time. So I'm looking forward to it. It's just, it's ironic because like Hoenn was my favorite region. Like Ruby and Sapphire were my favorite versions of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of funny that I fell out of the anime around that time. Yeah, I think that's when I kind of fell out as well, actually thinking about it. But yeah, Ruby and Sapphire, or Ruby, because I never played Sapphire. Ruby and Silver are my two favorite games. I just love them so much. Oh, I love Silver. Silver and XY actually are like what I would consider my Pokemon. I just love Johto. Like as to, every time I see a Johto Pokemon in um in these games, I just like I scream a little bit. I'm just so excited by it. I finally got a Corsola, and I was just like, yes, I'm so happy. Oh man. And they have like the uh, the legendary dogs in that one. That brings me back. Oh, those are good times. Um, so, I want to talk a little bit about the the plot of uh, Sun and Moon, or maybe less plot and more direction, because there's been some conversation online about whether this game kind of holds your hand too much. It it does tend to be more linear. You you always have a spot on the map that you're pointed toward. Um, I do kind of feel like it holds your hand too much. Um, I found the Pokedex to be kind of intrusive, and it doesn't quite have the same feeling of freedom as the others do, but I also completely understand that I'm not really the target audience for this. The, you know, 27-year-old person who's played a lot of Pokemon is not the one (laughs) who... That's not who this is for. So I completely understand that maybe it's just not... That's just not the best thing for the games, even if it does feel a little clunky to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, it is a little handholdy where they're like, okay, you're going to do this. Oh, something, you know, another cutscene. Here you go. This is going to set up where you're going to go. You're going to travel to this one. But one thing I do like is that even though it is leading you to where you're going, they don't not their the cutscenes aren't so tied in where it prevents you from exploring. So like you can get to the next place you have to go to, but you know, right when you get there, the next cutscene doesn't begin. So you can go and talk to everybody who's around. You can go see what, you know, what wild areas are around there too. So it's you know, it it does lead you to where you need to go, but it also lets you still explore while you're getting to where you're going. Mm. I guess I felt a little bit of pressure because I knew, like, even if I didn't have to go right away, I knew that marker was there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's... Oh, go ahead. Or Mike. No, I'll talk. No, 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 Saf, Saf, go. Um... (laughs) I I know what I'm going to say. It's going to be long. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I kind of got this feeling a little bit from... 
X and Y, not to the same extent because it doesn't have like the little mini map with the markers and everything, but like I remember very distinctly in X and Y is a point you reach where you have to use search to get to, not search, surf to get to the next part of the game and you get given the HM surf and then you meet somebody and they're like, here, have a Lapras because the game's like, oh, maybe you didn't actually train up a water Pokemon because you don't know the Pokemon will eventually need surf. And so yeah, just have one, have one now. Um, and I remember that was something that made it really obvious that this was a game that wasn't meant for, like it wasn't, it was it was open to new players and everything who didn't know how to play the game yet or didn't know the standards of the game that you should expect from having played the previous games. And X and Y, no X and Y, Sun and Moon feel like kind of a, even more of an extension of that, that they um, are making it a lot easier without like, the reason the older games have a lot more complexities than these games do in a lot of ways is because of the technology and because of how games were at the time. And now that they've got mm-hmm. the ability to have this accessibility in the game, they, they include it because it makes it easier for children or people getting into the games for the first time. Um, and I really, I think that's a good thing. I think at times I'm like, I don't need this half hour tutorial on this one thing. I don't need you to tell me this, <laughs> this much stuff. But I also completely understand why it's there and it's not impacting my gameplay at all. So I'm just like, whatever. It doesn't matter that much. But I do miss... As much as I love the ride Pokemon and how easy they make team balancing because you don't need to suddenly fit in all your HMs, I do miss that struggle a little bit because that was, it was hard, but it was fun. No, exactly. Um, When you said that it's basically kind of been that way because that's how the games have been, that's 100%. Like, Pokemon hasn't really had a reason to evolve, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Um, it didn't really have a reason to kind of change up its formula because it had always been the game like it had always been the top seller so a long couple years ago when uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire came out uh, Yokai Watch had come out which was kind of the same concept you're catching monsters and doing all that but it basically was Pokemon for the 21st century. And I think that's where, when they started designing Sun and Moon, they really kind of took notice of the changes that they made in that game to their formula. And that's why we got, we have such a kind of heavy-handed story now. It feels so different because we've had six generations of the same game, essentially. And this is the first one that really feels like a big change. That's interesting because I know that Pokemon has, I guess, I guess I would call it competition from Yokai Watch, but kind of what Pokemon has going for it is its tried and true method. Yeah, like there's still there's still like all of the essentials in there, of you know catching them all, and you have the favorites that you've grown up with for twenty years. Like, so so it has that leg up on Yokai Watch, but. Yokai Watch, the first ones, outsold Omega uh, Red and Alpha Sapphire. And like, and that's the first time that a Pokemon game didn't take the number one spot in its launch week. Wow, so, interesting. So that's that's why Yokai Watch, I you kind of have to thank for all of the changes that Sun and Moon has made. Hmm. And that said, I don't really mind the plot. I haven't found like I. I'm not really deep into it yet. I've 
met Lily and I've met Team Skull. I'm like, they're nice. They're fun. It's X and Y didn't have a super deep plot either. And this I mean, is... Uh, X and Y kind of tried to have a super deep plot, but it didn't really mesh it, well. Yeah, it, it did. did. It was so weird with like the ancient Pokemon war. And then you had that weird homeless looking guy. With the <laughs> yeah. Pokemon. yeah, that was weird. Um, like I remember when I was younger and I was really, I've always really been into really heavy narrative games. Um, and I used to play Pokemon a lot. Like it was one of the first games I got and I loved it, but I was always like, I wish there was more story in Pokemon. And when I got X and Y, I was sort of like, you know what? Maybe not. It's fine. But playing through <laughs> Sun and Moon, like the story I think is, is chill enough that it's like, not hugely impactful to the game so far where I am. Um, but it's also there enough that you can get invested if you want to. Yeah, I definitely feel like it has enough that you could sort of build on it with your own headcanon and stuff. And I feel like I haven't gotten to a lot. Um, I haven't gotten to the, the Team Skull headquarters, which I guess is a thing that you do. Like, I just found some new plot about the professor. There's more that I haven't gotten to yet. I think um, one of my favorite examples of Pokemon storytelling was the the quest at the end of XY, where you've de- defeated the Elite Four, and then you can find this, like, the Looker quest, this little RPG thing. And mm-hmm. um, I still really like that. But on the other hand, that was similarly hand-holdy. You were going from one place to another within the same city. So this... Yeah. Uh, what they're doing with Sun and Moon might be kind of a compromise. Did you ever, did Megan, you and I talked about this a while ago, but did you ever play the post-game story in Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby? No, I actually haven't played those. Okay, so th- that one's one of the better storylines yeah. because, because it sets up a Pokemon multiverse. Ooh. What? So, so like alternate... Alternate worlds. Basically, it 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 doesn't outright say it, but there's a character in there who mentions that if you if you kind of read into it, the way she describes it is that the old games, so Generation One and Generation Two on the old Game Boy and Game Boy Color, that's its own universe, and everything from Generation Three onwards is its own is the new universe. Huh. Well, that's interesting. I was she, like... she she makes an offhand comment about imagine a world where mega evolutions never existed, and that would be the old games because they didn't exist in those. Yep. Huh. All right. I'll I'll take it. I always like sort of meta meta commentary like that. I'm always here for I mean, old that, universes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and it makes and it makes sense because if you think about it, like the way Generation Three. Because Generation 3 was uh, the original Ruby Sapphire and Fire Red and Leaf Green. That's kind of the beginning because both of those games kind of take place around the same time. And then right after that, you have Diamond Pearl, uh, Diamond Pearl and Platinum. And then the remakes of uh, Gold and Silver, Mm -hmm. which take place two years later. And all of those events are also in there, too. So... You, if as you play these games, you get the sense that it's all one timeline. But then it also explains why you're back in these regions, and the old games are kind of its own thing by the storyline in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. 
Oh, man. I did kind of like the, like, sense of ancient war in uh, X and Y. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love stuff like that. Um, it, the more lore in Pokemon, I mean, none of it makes sense because, like, how did they catch Pokemon back then? Like, you have the ancient Pokeballs and you have <laughs> weird stuff. And it's like, I always want to know how this world works. Yeah. So I think we have to wrap up soon, but I wanted to ask, um, <laughs> have you guys explored the Festival Plaza and did you enjoy it? I'm I I've gotten up to level three in my festival plaza I think might be level four now. I, um, I'm still trying to figure out how it works. So well, yeah, <laughs> like the I've kind of gotten the hang of talking to guests that come to it. Like you talk to the ones with the red speech bubbles and they'll give you something to do. Um, and eventually you kind of get the hang of which prompts like take me somewhere nice leads to which store in your festival plaza. Um, and you get coins from that, but. Apart from that, like, there's not really much to do there, and I don't really care. Um, I think I still preferred how X and Y did the online stuff a bit more. Um, but also, I'm mad because this game does not have Swablu in it. There's no Swablu to catch. But there are Swablu flying around the Festival Plaza, and I can't catch them, and it makes me real mad. <laughs> See, all I've used it for is the GTS to get, like, const um version exclusives because i have moon which you can't get the vulpix in so oh, i yeah. just caught two of the sand shrews because you can't get the sand shrew in sun and i just put that on to the gts and asked for a vulpix back and i got it in like five minutes oh cool yeah i'm still kind of figuring it out myself and i think the thing that like weirded me out the most was that when you point people to the stalls that they need to go to their dialogue seems to be random and I, I wasn't sure whether it was um like status messages or whether it was just random dialogue but so like if they're happy with the place you sent them to it'll have a message like this person feels but then it's like a very strange random emotion oh and it's um, you can set your answers to those things. Yeah, I yeah. thought that's that's what it was. Whether they were, but I wasn't sure whether they were like real people or not. So they are, yeah, they are a, real. These like, are real statuses. people picked up um, while okay. you've been online, and then it'll just bring them back in. Um, some of them will be a lot of them were people like you traded with and stuff like that, or other people that were okay. just online in the same time as you were. Um, I felt. So, yeah. like, out of touch when I was doing this, because I was like, are you real? I don't know. Yeah, no, it's not a real person at the time, but um, they're based off of other characters, or other people's characters, and the choices okay. they've chosen for that. Um, seems that a lot of people like to say that when you've chosen the right option for them, that they like to say they love you. I've had a lot of people say they love me so far. <laughs> yeah, see, like, my wife is one of them, and she hasn't told me she loves me yet, so I just keep doing things wrong. Wow. So <laughs> I saw this it, one in dude, the game, not in real life. Like when when you walk past them and they pop up with something, like the little green thing. Walk past one dude and I see it. I like female swimmers, and I was like, "Buddy, chill." <laughs> no, yeah, that, some that, of that them, was something I wanted. To do. Like I wanted to yeah. pick like really weird remarks. Yeah. So that you run by like it would be something like that. Like I love female swimmers. <laughs> 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 uh. 
All right. So I think um, we will probably talk more about this game next week, too, because none of us, you know, haven't finished it yet. So there'll always be more. Um, I am good to go if you guys are. Do you think you want to add anything else? Well, who is your current team is what I wanted to ask. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. I didn't want to tell my story, but now you asked what my team is. Um, (laughs) My current team is um, uh, the Rowlet Evolution, Eevee, Pikachu, uh, Pikapek, Rufflet, and Growlithe. And I got the Eevee from the egg, right? So when you go to the breeders, you get an egg, and it hatches into an Eevee. And it's only like level... 12 right now because i'm just um uh increasing its uh, level with the experience the experience gain thing so do you know what you want to evolve it into yet well i really i always love vaporeon um when i played i played x and y for the second time well i played y for the second time and i got an all vaporeon or not all vaporeon i'm sorry i'm really <laughs> tripping over my words here um <laughs> I had a hard time with the Eevee. I'll tell you about it shortly. <laughs> um, I had, you know, six Eevee evolutions and went to the Elite Four with them. And that was like my childhood dream come true. But Vaporeon is my favorite. So I'll probably go for Vaporeon. But I like all of them. So Eevee, I got it from an egg. It was level one. I went to the Battle Royal, the Battle Royale oh, no. arena. Oh, um, and it was... Oh no. And it was the first slot because my egg was just in the first slot. It like because it wouldn't affect you battling. You just it would take the Mm -hmm. second Pokemon. But I didn't know really what was going on with Battle Royale. So it just pulls your first Pokemon. So (laughs) so there I was with this level one Eevee. And I was just like, Eevee, I'm so sorry. And got destroyed immediately at the battle royale, and they and then the the other characters are all like, "Oh, that was fun!" And I was like, "Evie, are you okay?" <laughs> so <laughs> my traumatized Evie is gonna stay with me now, and we'll be okay eventually. <laughs> eventually, yeah. But actually, I I took her to the battle royale, and then I took her to the the uh, trial. The uh, totem pokemon so she's just this is a rough start for poor evie but we'll see how she does <laughs> so okay so what's your team Seth? okay um okay so i've been naming all of my pokemon after food because that's just what i do <laughs> um and so my team at the moment is a, a corsola called toblerone a Growlithe called chargrill who will soon be an arcanine um my decidui dumpling my pikapit called peripiri um, my Salandit called Salami, and my Pikachu, which is called Pancake, because the Raichu reminds me of pancakes. That's adorable. <laughs> I also have a whole bunch now of fish that I are named after, like, fish, like, fish kind of food. Like, I think my Magikarp's called, like, Beer Batter or something. So, some of my names are kind of me. Mike, what are yours? So, I have the... Third evolution of Rowlet, uh, named Galen, because I got it when I was reading. <laughs> I got it when I was reading Catalyst. So like a handful of my Pokemon are named after 
characters from Catalyst. Um, I have a Machamp, the one you trade earlier in the game. You can trade and get a Machop. Oh, you've got so, Macho? Yeah, Macho. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I have a Alolan Raichu. And it is awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, there's. Oh, it's so cool. It's oh my god. It's like surfing Pikachu. I haven't used. The, yeah, I haven't used the Raichu in so long because I've always used Pikachu with the light ball. Yep. But I'm I'm really excited to get one. Yeah, it's yeah, and like adding the psychic typing and it's like special attack goes up crazy. It's really good. Very unprepared for um Hal's Raichu with psychic. It decimated four four of my team. Before I could take it out because I was just not prepared for a psychic Pokemon. Uh, and then I just evolved into a Starmie. I also just evolved into a Salazzle. And what is my last one? I'm, evol- I'm like leveling. Oh, uh, Butterfree. Oh. Yeah. I like Butterfree. I don't know why. I just do. <laughs> no, I do too. Like Butterfree has always been one of my staples, at least for like early levels. Yeah. Because he's usually one of the first Pokemon you get with a psychic move. Mm-hmm. Yep. So always a staple of my early teams. Uh, so my current team uh, is Dartrix, which is Rowlet's first evolution. Uh, the Snorlax that you get with the special Z crystal. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing the mystery gift right now, uh, it's available till January. You get a Munchlax with the Snorlium Z, which is a good for Snorlax's move Giga Impact, which gives him a special Z move just for him. Uh, my female Salandit, which I'm going to evolve into Salazzle. Uh, Cubone, which I'm super excited for his Alolan form. Uh, those uh, Alolan Cubones are cool. I, it's, I love that he's like a fire dancer from Hawaii. Yeah. Like, I love, oh God, I love that so much. Um, and then the Greninja that you get from the demo. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't yep. get that. Oh, it's still available. So you, it's pretty much going to always be available. So that one's an easy get. You just have to beat, the demo takes like a half hour. And yeah. You can transfer it over to the main game. I and it's like to, a level 30 Greninja. I don't have enough space on my SD card for the demo yet. So I'll do that one day. <laughs> Yeah, definitely do that because it's a Greninja with his own special move or a special ability that's actually taken from the anime, which is really cool. Oh, yeah, it's like the Ash Greninja or something. Yeah, the Ash Greninja. And so I'm kind of popping him in in and out with uh, the Psyduck because I don't want to have two water types on my team. Yeah. And uh, Grammar. Cool. I did kind of like the look of the Alolan Grimer. I always thought they were kind of, they're kind of gross looking. The the Alolan ones are cool. And the poison abilities are so useful. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm a status battler. So like I like to inflict poisons and sleeps and leech seed is like my go-to move. Mm -hmm. I'm such like a brawler in Pokemon. I'm always, I mean with few exceptions, I like sleep. But usually I'm just like, no, as much attack as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's but what I, I'm like, too. Yeah, I don't play competitively, so. I, most of the- often, I often play as a status 
uh, fighter because most of my Pokemon, I refuse to evolve them past their first level. So even though they're high level, <laughs> they're still weak. Um, and so yeah. I have to use like buffing and debuffing moves to make sure my Pokemon can actually beat the game. Yeah, I like to use a lot of um, Pokemon that you they use their abilities to affect their moves. So like if like Solar Beam, if you want to instead of having to use it and then wait a turn, I will use a Pokemon that knows has drought as the ability, which automatically gives you the sun, and then you can just solar beam away. Like I'm the I want to use like abilities that bring on weather that make the moves easier to use. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like my Breloom has poison heal, so I make him hold the toxic orb so he automatically poisons himself. Mm-hmm. And then, then he I leech <laughs> then I leech then I leech seed. So I have two heals going. Oh, jeez. Then I do Spore, which is a 100% accuracy sleep move. <laughs> and then his, nice. main attack, then his main attack is Facade, which doubles in strength because he's poisoned. Oh. Uh, Impressive. Compared so he, to play scares me. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's actually not that good anymore. Like, he's... There's so many different tiers of Pokemon battling, but... He's he's still just it's one of my favorite moves to use and I've I've beaten legendaries with him so I've always saved those videos when I do. Yeah, it's a very strategic way. All right, so I'm uh, I think I'm gonna sign us off because it's getting pretty late over here. Thanks guys for coming on. Thank we, you. Well, I you know us, we've wanted to have both of you on for a while. So this is the <laughs> perfect opportunity. Um, so let's do uh, Mike Audette. Where can people find you on the internet and who else, uh, who do you work with? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, Mike underscore Audette. That's my, my Twitter handle for most things between Twitter and Instagram, etc. cetera. Uh, and you can find my writings over at coffee with Kenobi. And my main coverage is <laughs> happens to be just going to conventions for them because <laughs> I get the press passes. So cool! I have fond memories of coffee with Kenobi. I mean, they're still they're still going. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been on in a while. <laughs> I remember them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool, Mike Templeton. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at it's the Rocketeer. That's I T S the Rocketeer. Um, you can catch me on the main show that I do, the Retro Convo, over on the Random Chatter Network. Um, we actually just released our Pokemon episode last week, so definitely go give that a check out because it's we kind of delve more into like what Pokemon means to us over twenty years. So just kind of a different different view of. How and we tell one of the other hosts on it because he wasn't a Pokemon fan, so it's kind of a, a neat retrospective. Nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed that episode, and you guys recorded that before Sun and Moon came out, right? Yeah, the day before. That was good. All right. Um. So we have been Megan and Saf, your usual hosts. I can be found at blog full of words on Twitter. I write for Den of Geek um, for StarWars.com. And for Star Wars Insider, Saf, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at WandaLustin, W-A-N-D-E-R-L-U-S-T-I-N. Um, I do a lot of writing for Toshi Station. I also have my own site, notsafwork.com. Um, I basically talk about video games everywhere. 
feel free to check me out in places. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. And don't forget to check the Western Reaches.